Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We are currently in the series, Blah Faith, a delightful series on how not to be. We hope it's a blessing. All right, well, good morning, Valley Point Church. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. Well, happy Independence Day weekend. We're glad you're here. My name is Dan McInnes. I'm the family ministries pastor here at Valley Point Church. We're going to have a good time together this morning. You believe that? Good. Perfect. Well, we are in our series called Blah Faith. Can you say that with me? Say Blah Faith. Perfect. It's a delightful series on how not to be, on how not to be. There's plenty of things you probably don't enjoy doing in life, like paying bills, right? Right? You, you, you like how you guys like playing bills? All right. Your relationship with God was not designed to be blah. It was not designed to be boring. It was, it was supposed to be exciting. It should be exciting. So like I said, we're in week three. And if you didn't catch our other um, first and second installments, you can catch those online. Pastor Eric shared with us in weeks one and two, if we want to have blah faith, we should never retell stories of God's provision and that we should also pray less. That sounds really invigorating, doesn't it? Just gets you all excited inside. So here's what the psalmist says. He says in Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand pleasures forevermore. If you're like me, you probably didn't get up this morning and say to yourself, you know what? Today's a great day to make a dumb decision. I think I'm just going to go out and I'm going to have a moral failure. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy my career and I'm going I'm to flunk out of school while I'm at it. But sometimes in the wake of poor decisions like that, we kind of ride this tidal wave, this avalanche of emotion, right? We feel guilt. We feel shame. We feel embarrassment and inferiority, right? And I know we've all made these bad decisions from time to time. And we have a hard time looking at ourselves and seeing us the way God sees us. And that's forgiven, We struggle with that. We're like, I can't even forgive myself. How can God, the creator of the universe, how can he forgive me? We we become that guy or that girl and we just defined by our actions, right? So growing up, I've always been passionate about the 4th of July. I see all your t-shirts out there. You're looking good. I love the 4th of July too. I love fireworks and I love fire. I like things that make loud noises, bit of a pyromaniac if you know me. And I remember, like any enthusiast, I got my start early and I learned the hard way. Just get it early and you learn the hard way. I remember I was in eighth grade and I I had this rubber band ball and normal kids, they just go to the dollar store and they they buy a rubber band ball or buy a super ball rather. But I said, I'm going to make my own Super ball, I'm going to fuse this rubber band ball together and then it will be a super ball. I thought I was a genius. 
So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I got a little terracotta dish, and I set it on the ground, and I filled it up with gasoline. I took that rubber band ball, and I set it down there in the dish. Now, gasoline is very corrosive. It started to eat the rubber bands away, and they started to fling off. Now, this is at the, most, at the point where most people, they would say, this is not going to turn out well. I shouldn't do this. But I thought, I better hurry up and light this before there are no rubber bands left to light. So that's what I did. I lit it real quick. And wouldn't you know, it did not work out the way I wanted it to. The rubber bands were on fire, and they were shooting across the yard. It was the fall in New England, so there were plenty of leaves in my backyard to catch fire. And I'm running around, and I'm, I'm stomping on the leaves and more rubber bands. I just could not keep up with all the little fireballs that were shooting out across the yard. It was awful. And it was at this point that I thought, I have to do something about this. It was okay up until now, but now I have to do something. So I said, I need to put this fire out right now. I need to go to the source. So I took the biggest breath that I could possibly get. And I got down like this, and I leaned over that little terracotta dish, and I went, and I blew as hard as I could blow. And at that instant... I saw the biggest fireball that I had ever seen in my life coming straight for my face. And I could not get out of the way, and it singed my eyebrows off. And at the time, I had a bowl cut. Don't laugh, you had one too, probably. It burnt an inch and a half off the front of my bowl cut. I remember my mom coming home from work. She said, what happened to you? I'm like, nothing. Why? Why why you ask? No biggie. Well, about a year later, I'm now in ninth grade, and it's the summertime, and my cousin, he's, he's getting married, and we're at the reception, and I'm bored, so I'm outside. Everyone else is inside, and if you've ever been to a wedding before, you know that the bride and the groom's car is usually highly decorated. There's tin cans, and there's toilet paper, and all kinds of other things that make it look so special. Well, they had a 1987 Chevy Celebrity. It was baby blue. Ugly looking, real ugly. I like it. And I was outside, and I had a book of matches. I had a book of matches. I don't know if you ever did this when you were a kid, but if you put your finger on one of those matches and put it up against a striker, you can shoot them. You ever do that before? Well, I was out there, and I was fooling around. I I was near the car, I promise. But the car had like a big bird's nest of toilet paper around it, and There was toilet paper draped through the car because the windows were open and the toilet paper was in all the little holes on the hubcap and in the air conditioning vents. And poof, goes the car. Got a little bit too close. And the whole car is on fire and I am in my dress clothes and my shoes and I'm running around. I'm trying to stomp it out and the the toilet paper is burning and it's stuck to my feet and it was just awful. It was awful. Well, we got the fire under control, but it was at that point that all 300 people who were in the reception hall, they they started to hear the commotion happening outside, and they, they started to come out to see what was going on outside. And I'll never forget this. I heard one person say, what kind of terrible person could have done this on your wedding day, no less? I remember another person saying, let's take up an offering to help pay for the car. And then a third person said, 
Let's pray. Let's stop right now. We're going to pray that we catch the person responsible for this. Because they didn't know it was me. My uncle said to me, he said, did you see what, what happened? What happened out here? I said, I don't, I don't know. It, w- it was a hot day. I think it was spontaneous combustion, I told him. Spontaneous combustion. Well, it was about that point that the bride and the groom come out because none of their guests are inside anymore. And the bride sees her 1987 Chevy Celebrity, and it's no longer baby blue anymore. It's terrible and ugly looking. And she starts to cry. She starts to cry, and I just wanted to melt into the ground and just disappear. And thankfully, my mom pulls up in her car and she says, hop in because we're going home. And now and forevermore, I'm known as that guy who ruined my cousin's wedding. But I'm so thankful today that God doesn't see us by our sin. He doesn't see us by our mistakes or the things that we've messed up and done. I believe that forgiveness looks a lot like the 4th of July. It's dynamic, and it's a joyful celebration. But we don't always see it like that, do we? So today, I'd like to share with you this morning a big idea. It's kind of our overarching theme for our time together today. And it's this. If you want to have blah faith, so if you want to be boring and just do this. Don't live like you're forgiven. Don't live like you're forgiven. Now, when we look at that statement, the key word that I really like and I gravitate towards is live. Because how often do we merely just acknowledge and say, you know what? I I do believe that God did something special on the cross. I heard about that before. It's it's cool and everything. And then we just kind of go back to what we were doing before that. But my challenge for us today is that we would live a life that reflects the splendor and glory and awesomeness because Jesus laid out on that cross for you and I. So that's our goal for today. Here's Jesus' words we see in John 5, 24. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You see, with Jesus, we get eternal life. He died on that cross so you and I wouldn't have to do that. He paid the price all to Jesus I owe. And that is a beautiful thing. You see, forgiveness, it's not static. It doesn't stay in one place. It's life-giving and it's purpose-driven. It's an amazing thing. You know, thankfully, we're not the first people in history to be defined or identify with some of the bad mistakes we've done, right? We can look in the Bible and see tons of examples. And that's what we're going to do today. So if you have a Bible or device, we are going to be in Exodus chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 11, and then we're going to work our way 
through verse 15, and we're going to jump around a little bit after that. So while you're looking for that, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. Today we're going to be talking about Moses, and Moses was a Hebrew. He was born in Egypt during a time where Egypt was the greatest land, and the reigning pharaoh at the time, he was very fearful of the Hebrews that lived there, and um, so he put them into slavery, and he also came out with a decree. He said, we are going to kill all of the young Hebrew baby boys. Sounds like a real nice guy, right? So Moses' mom, she did what any mom would do. And she hid her baby. She built a little basket and kind of floated him out into the Nile River. And while Pharaoh's daughter was bathing by the edge of the river, she found him and took Moses in and raised him as her own. So Moses becomes an Egyptian prince. An Egyptian prince. He lacked nothing. He was highly educated. He was probably instructed in astronomy and chemistry and math. In art, and music, the list goes on and on. He was a smart dude. But today I want to look at a story where we see Moses gets himself into a blah season of faith. He had one of those moments, and maybe you've felt this way too in the past, where you did something and you just kind of wanted to crawl under a rock and just stay there for a really long time. So we're going to pick up in Exodus 2. Verse 11 says, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his, his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. So what an incredible fall from grace. Goes from Egyptian prince to murderer. Yikes. And when you read this, at first glance, it's like, oh, well, he escaped from Pharaoh and he got out to Midian. But men and husbands, I want you to pay close attention to this because he escapes to Midian and he gets married. And there he lives in the land of his father-in-law for 40 years. Now, he's already 40, all right? So imagine you having to go live in the land of your in-laws for, for 40 years. That's crazy, right? This is basically a death sentence because he, he was 80 when he left again. I really believe there would be a lot less people in prison if they knew they would have to go live in the land of their in-law for 40 years. Lucky for Moses, he had a lot more in the tank than just 80 years, so he was okay. But to add insult to injury, he had to watch his father-in-law's sheep. He was a shepherd, and he was out 
working the land just like he did yesterday and the day before. And all of a sudden, he sees this bush. And out of this bush, he hears a voice. Now, the bush is not burning up. Just kind of staying there. And it calls his name. And it says, Moses, take off your sandals because the place you are standing is holy ground. So Moses, he was afraid, so he kind of hid himself because he's remembering back on his past all the unsavory things he had done while in Egypt. But the next thing that God says is just incredible. Here's what he says in Exodus 3.9. God says to Moses, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is incredible. So after he greets him, he doesn't say, Hey Moses, I remember what you did. I remember all the times you messed up. I remember your faults and your failures. God's concern was on restoring Moses and his people back in Egypt. So it's easy to think that once Moses got the call back, he was like, sweet, I'm out of here. Father-in-law, smell you later. I'm gone, right? But he didn't react that way. He was a bit apprehensive because Moses failed to recognize in this moment that God was for him. That God was for him. He didn't realize that. And to live forgiven, we must recognize that we have to live outside of our comfort zone because that's where forgiveness operates. That's where God operates. If it was in our comfort zone, we could do it. I want to share with you four excuses that God gave to Moses. And these are also four excuses that kill progress when it comes to living out God's plan for forgiveness and restoration. Because we all come up with excuses. We do it all the time. Here are Moses's. And see for yourself if you see any parallels within your own life. First, he said, I don't have the confidence. Have you ever said that before? I don't have the confidence. We see in Exodus 3.11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Notice that personal pronoun of I. Who's Moses worried about? Me, myself, and I. God's response in the very next verse. He says, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt... You will worship God on this mountain. So he's saying to him, Moses, I will be your faithfulness. I'm all you need and I'm going to bring you back to this very spot that we're standing just to prove that. Most of us have been like, oh, that's pretty cool. But not Moses. He had more for God. He wasn't done. He said, next, I don't have the education And maybe you've interviewed once or twice in your life and and somebody's said that to you or you feel that about yourself already. 
And we see in Exodus 3.13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So this is an excuse that stems from fear. He's saying people are going to ask me questions and I'm not going to know how to answer them. God answers. In Exodus 3.14, he says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. You see, God's telling Moses, you may not have all the answers, but you have me. You have me. And the truth is, if we're really honest with ourselves, that we will never know everything. We were not designed to know everything because if we knew everything, we would have no use for God and no use for faith. We'll just do it ourselves. The third thing that Moses said, his third excuse was, I don't have the respect. I don't have the respect. And in Exodus 4.1, we see that Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Moses is saying, I don't want to be the crazy uncle at the birthday party that everybody just ignores, that's just babbling away. If you've ever seen the movie with Adam Sandler in it, in the movie Billy Madison, he says, they're all going to laugh at me. They're all going to laugh at me. He was worried he'd be that guy. Moses is still concerned with his image here. Even at 80 years of age, he wants to be respected. Now, at this point, I imagine God's probably getting pretty frustrated with Moses. But Moses isn't done. His last excuse, he says, I don't have the ability. I don't have the ability. Exodus 4.10, we see Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses saying, get a different guy, not me. But we see in Exodus 4.14, the Lord responds. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. And his heart will be glad when he sees you. You know, oftentimes we say, I'm not qualified, God. Pick somebody else. But we need to refuse that urge, refuse that temptation to compare ourselves to other people. Because here's what I know. When God calls you, when he calls me, He's going to equip us to do what it is we need to do. He's just not going to call you and leave you out to dry. It may feel that and your emotions may play with you a bit, but he is not going to leave you out to dry. He's going to equip you. But like Moses, we often take that path of least resistance, right? We want to go the easy way out. But when we do that, we end up With blah faith, we're unhappy, we feel empty. God has so much more for you. So I want to share with you this morning 
some action steps we can take as we leave this place, some, some takeaways I've prepared for us. The first one is this. Receive his forgiveness. I think sometimes we try to rationalize God's forgiveness. And we say, I don't deserve it. And because I don't think I deserve it, I don't think God will forgive me either. But here's the thing. We cannot rationalize grace. You see, grace is getting something that we don't deserve. And Jesus already took care of that on the cross. He already did something that we couldn't do to pay the price for our stupid mistakes, our bad decisions. The Bible often seems so complex at times, and and often it can be. But it's also very simple. It's very simple because God is love and love is forgiveness. Some of you here this morning, maybe you're hearing about this for the very first time. You're hearing about God's forgiveness and his love. Maybe today you would consider taking that next step of faith And saying, yes, Jesus, I believe. I'm going to confess with my mouth. And I will believe in my heart that God sent his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to take that step of faith this morning. And for the rest of us here, are we being complacent? Are we merely acknowledging that Christ died or are we actually living that way? I would encourage you to just go out and don't worry and say, God, if this is what you have for me, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to trust that you know what's best for my life. The second takeaway is this, extradite. That's the word for the day. Remember that. It's a good word. Extradite the excuses. We can't be like Moses. We got to cast them out. We got to get rid of them, throw them away. Because the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? My third and final takeaway is this. Don't bury what God can build on. We have to resist doing that. If we look back in Exodus 2, verse 12, we see what Moses did. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and he hid him in the sand. We need to resist that urge to hide and retreat when we fail. I'd like to share just two quick steps to help combat that urge. And the first one is this, to see yourself the way God sees you. And that's with potential. I know the way you see you, and you know the way you see you, but God sees you with an incredible amount of potential. And next, we can bring our bad decisions to light. This is a hard one. This is really hard. I'm asking you to find somebody that you can confide in, you can share whatever that is, that thing that you're ashamed of, the thing that you messed up with, whether it's a a friend or a close relative, and tell them about it. Because here's what happens with stuff like that, with shame, when we keep it to ourselves. It starts to eat us alive. kind of grows like a big, ugly monster. 
gets worse and worse. But the opposite is also true. When we tell somebody about something that we're shameful about, that we feel that we cannot be forgiven for, it starts to lose its power and hold over us. You see, when I got the courage to go back to my cousin and actually tell him what I had done to his car, it cost me. There was consequences. There's always consequences in life. It cost me money, and it cost me time, and it cost me a little bit of my relationship with my cousin. But you see, I believe God was using a situation just like that because he provided future opportunity and future blessing out of that for myself and for other people too. For the past four years, I've been able to be a part of our Love Day initiatives here at Valley Point Church where we've been able to shoot firework shows for our community for um, Garnet Valley High School football. And I can't believe that God would use a little kid with an inch and a half missing off the front of his bowl cut. I can't, I can't believe that God would use a guy who ruins his cousin's wedding day. I'm like, God, are, are you sure? Are you sure? Do you want to go get somebody else, somebody safer? <laughs> but God has a funny way of working things out for his glory. And so I want you to do something for me today, regardless of how you feel in this moment. I want you to lean into God's forgiveness like you've never done before. I want you to lean in hard. Maybe you're feeling empty, alone. Maybe you're just numb. You don't feel anything anymore. I want you to lean in hard because I believe that when we do that, when we do that, that eventually our emotions will catch up to our obedience. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for an opportunity to be reminded of your forgiveness. God, thank you that you love us despite of ourselves. God, I pray that your forgiveness and your grace would flow over this place this morning. God, I know there's people sitting here in this room and listening online that are struggling with that concept. But God, I pray that if there's any listening this morning that don't know you as their best friend forever, that haven't said, yes, God, yes, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. Thank you that I can have a friendship with you. Father, I pray that they would consider entering into a relationship with you today. I pray that whatever's holding them back, that they would just release it. They would just let go. That they would put it in the arms of the Father, the one who loves them, the one who roots for them. God, as, as we get ready to leave this place shortly, I pray that we wouldn't be the same person that we would go out and that we wouldn't just know about forgiveness, but that we would live it out, 
that it would be life-changing, that you would give us new purpose, new direction in life, and that we would see things in us that only you see up until this point. God, give us encouragement. And thank you so much for grace. Thank you so much for Jesus and his work on the cross. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.